Hey, podcast listeners. I hope you've been enjoying the ongoing series of Women in Business and Technology. In this podcast, you'll hear from Janine Ju, Head of Global Developer Relations at R3. Now, R3 is an enterprise blockchain software firm working with a broad ecosystem of more than 300 participants across the multiple industries from both private and public sectors to develop blockchain applications on Corda. Corda is an open source blockchain platform and Corda Enterprise is a commercial version of Corda for enterprise usage. Janine also is an advocate for women in technology and leading initiatives in women in artificial intelligence. Listen to Janine share some of her strategies for success in today's technology-driven world. Hi, Janine. Thanks for joining us today. Um, Would you mind taking a few minutes here or something and just letting the uh, listeners know who you are and a little bit about yourself? Oh, great. Hi, Chuck. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Uh, My name is Janine Chu. I've been an engineer for about 20 years, and I'm currently um, a developer relations expert, and I'm also uh, leading initiatives for women in artificial intelligence, and I'm a huge advocate uh, for women in tech. And I also offer uh, training classes and iOS development uh, for uh, women who are interested in entering technology. You know, as far as women in technology, is that, would you call it a growing field for for women? Well, interestingly enough, within the past 20 years, it's kind of just fluctuated a bit. First, there were just, you know, a mass number of women entering into the field. And then about 10 years ago, uh, when I started uh, teaching iOS development, I noticed that uh, women enrolling in some of these classes, it was dropping significantly. And also, I don't have any hard uh, facts in terms of how many women are in the field, but there was also a turn in 2010 where they were not entering uh, engineering fields. And that now I'm seeing more of a growth, but there's still a need for uh, these women in tech groups, you know, kind of working together and helping each other uh, excel in the field and also find new opportunities. So I'm hoping after this whole, you know, come uh, the new year, you know, that now that working remotely is now the norm, that women are going to be more motivated, inspired to learn online, learn uh, engineering courses, and also reach out to these women networks in order to help them find new opportunities. Mm. Well, you know, speaking of motivation and being motivated, um, what really, what motivated you back in the beginning? You said you've been doing this for about 20 years. You started teaching about 10 years ago or so. I mean, going back that 20 years, was there something that just all of a sudden just, you know, jumped out and you said, aha, this is it. And then you became motivated. Was there a motivating factor way back then? In getting into uh, the engineering space? In, in, into the technology and the engineering space, yes. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think it started, well, uh, actually longer than 20 years ago when I was always interested in engineering, just, you know, problem solving, uh, just fixing things, even though back in the days so I was playing Ataris and we had our Commodore computers and everything. And I was just really intrigued by it. And 
I started taking courses at the university, but you know, at the, at the time when I started college, it was kind of intimidating because there weren't that many women in the field. So I dropped out for a few years to pursue other interests in college. And then I ended up uh, going back into the computer science program. And I just at Boston University, and I just had wonderful mentors who were very supportive of um, me getting into, you know, the engineering space. And that's, I, I think, just having that strong network and having, you know, a bunch of cheerleaders really helped me stick with engineering. And I just love the fact of being able to build an application. When you're building a program, you're writing code and you're having, you know, you're having something work or, you know, even if it's as simple as I remember writing in Pascal, a tic-tac-toe game. And I just thought that was just so incredible how, you know, software is pretty much eating up the world and how we can automate so many things by building these applications. And now with the technology, with the use of open source uh, code and, you know, all these tools and resources, it really is a lot simpler to do that. So I just love it. I really do. So would you, would you say that the, uh, say the upcoming generation, uh, especially along with the females, uh, if they if they had no interest in math, they had they had no interest in technology or anything like that, would you say, hey, you know, try it. You may like it. There might be something there that you find interesting. Yeah, and you know, something really, I really find fascinating is that if women feel as though they're not good in math then they can't get into computer science. They can't build an application, which I kind of find that hysterical because uh, engineers I've managed in the past, I mean, well, including myself. No, actually, I was really good at math. But the <laughs> engineers I've worked with in the past, they, they've struggled with it, like even doing simple calculations in their head. And so that's why I don't see that as a strong prerequisite into getting into the field. Now, for... Uh, to learn about data structures and algorithms. Yes, it does require math, but when you're programming, you're not having to think like a mathematician all the time. You need to think in terms of, you know, how do I make this simpler for the consumer? How do I, you know, come up with an innovative solution that will help this particular market? And as you're coding and you just kind of Break down those uh, use cases, you know, put on your product manager hat. You know, what are the use cases? What are going to be the user stories? You know, what is the expected outcome of building out this feature and build off of that? Mm. And again, that's why I think for women who are afraid to get into it because of the math thing um, or not strong in math, it really isn't a requirement. And with all these free resources, um, you know, the other day I was putting together an engineering curriculum for um, uh, one of my relatives who's like 17, and it's just incredible how well he knows Python as a result of just going on Coursera, looking at some YouTube videos. I mean, this kid is going to be ready for an internship next year just as a result of him just learning on his own and then just finding a mentor to support him. And there was this one startup I worked with a while ago. It was in the financial technology industry. And within six months, 
apparently he quit his job within six months. He learned Python and he built an innovative financial technology application and he was able to get a million dollars of funding. You believe that in six months. Wow. And although people are thinking, well, you know, COVID is such a bad time. No, this is the best time to actually work in a startup because, I mean, there are so many more new problems to solve, so many opportunities. And, And it's always the simplest application that really hits it big. It sounds like, too, that if, if you have a, a practical mind or practical way of thinking, that would definitely uh, be a benefit in in being an engineer as well, right? A coder? Or... Oh, absolutely. So, um, oh, absolutely. Uh, for for women, for anybody in general, do you, do you have to be really competitive or have a competitive nature to be in this, this field? Or does it kind of just makes a difference if you want to if you want to really shoot for the stars? Um, is it necessary to be competitive just to get into the industry? Necessary to be competitive. Well, you know, to some extent, there will always be a challenge with. I mean, I mentor uh, quite a few women who are entering the engineering field, and you know, who have their first internship for their job. And so they do have to be competitive. They feel as a result of working alongside with men, like they feel they have to work twice as hard as the guy in order to have, you know, the same salary or the same position. But I feel that people are more, I feel that that situation is kind of less and less where there's not a sense of, you know, being competitive, but it's a sense of working together as a team. Okay. You know, team meaning together, every, team, everyone accomplishes more. Okay. And I, I think they'll notice more of a collaborative environment as opposed to a cutthroat competitive environment. That's good to know. Uh, the only reason I ask about that is I've heard mm-hmm. a number of younger people where they say, well, I... I you know, I'm not good enough. I, I know I can do it, but I'm not good enough. I, or I don't want to compete. I don't want to do this. Or they are afraid to compete because they're just not a, have a competitive streak in them. But they're very, very good at what they do. So that's really nice to know that, you know, it's not necessarily to be competitive, but like should be a, a team player. Right. But I, I think they need to be more confident. And there was this ah. one time I was um, teaching a, a class, and I'd say there were like uh, a few women, and there were like five five guys. And apparently, for some reason, all the guys decided to not show up for class, and it was just me and three women. I was so amazed with how much these women knew. And I'm thinking, why did you never give me the opportunity? Why did you never participate in class? You know, and they were just intimidated by the fact that there were men in the room. I, I was just shocked. And as a matter of fact, uh, two of the women, they actually had the top grades in the class. And I never thought they did because they were struggling in their homework. And the reason why they were struggling, they were overanalyzing it because women have a tendency to try to perfect everything. And it's like, wait a minute, you need to reach a point in your assignments that what you do is good enough, but you also need to speak up. I feel that, and I, trust me, I've been in that position before where I never thought I had the right answers, and I put myself in a situation where 
I'd be in a meeting at work and here I had some great ideas, but I thought they were stupid, right? It goes back to the imposter syndrome. You don't think you're good enough. Then all of a sudden, your colleagues are preaching the same ideas. And it's like, why didn't I say something? And I think that's where women just really need to break out of their shell a bit and just speak up. And be confident. Don't be too worried about the consequences. Yeah, absolutely. That that's actually really good to know. I mean, that would definitely go with any field and anything that you do have confidence in what you're doing. Otherwise, uh, lack of confidence will show and it'll affect in your uh, ability to do things, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Do you uh, aside from like uh, the confidence um, and feeling confident in yourself and not having to worry so much about having everything be absolutely perfect and overanalyzing. Are there, uh, yeah, this, <laughs> this may not that. come across the right way of saying it, but are there yeah. other obstacles <laughs> yeah. or hurdles that women um, either create that they need to overcome or are there actual hurdles or obstacles that women uh, need to be aware of and, and, go with confidence and, and go through those hurdles? Well, I think, and not to make a generalization that every woman does that, this, but I've done it, and quite a few female friends of mine has, have done it as well, was to treat our relationship with our superiors as, um, you know, as a marriage. And I, I think that can be pretty complicated. You know, expressing our emotions, having that nurturing kind of mentality. There has to be a balance between professionalism and nurturing. And I'm still, you know, I still have my moments where I'm thinking, oh, goodness, I'm emotional. You know, we have, you know, all those hormones going on there. And so at that point, I'll make it a point not to have any meetings because <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, I'm not the right frame of mind. I'm not really confident. I'm sensitive. I need to cuddle with my husband. You know, <laughs> so, um, so I think um, being able to identify those, those weak moments, because we are going to have those moments and, you know, sometimes an ibuprofen <laughs> isn't going to make it better. And I, I think just to be aware of those times that you're not going to be strong and confident all the time. And you are going to feel insecure sometimes. And just identifying that and just stepping away from the situation and just being like, I am not going to react to this. I am not going to overanalyze into this. I'm not going to read into that email or I'm not going to take offense you know, I'm not going to take offense to this email because once we enter that phase, we kind of think we're under attack. When in fact, we're really not, you know, our boss was probably just sending us an email, just letting us know when here we're thinking it's a personal attack on us. So not everything is a conspiracy theory, but during the time that, you know, based on our cycles or whatnot, not to get into too much detail on that, we do tend to get into the conspiracy minded mode. And which is not necessarily rational in some cases. So I think that's really important outside of the confidence is just be aware of your emotions and your behavior and just, you know, just do your best to keep them in check and give yourself that downtime when you need it. So that's really good to say. It's just uh, really be aware, just like uh, oftentimes we hear it, be aware mm-hmm. of your surroundings. This is really be aware of your emotional state of mind yeah. and everything. Um, mm-hmm. and also it sounds like to me, just realize and know or understand that it's okay 
that you go through that period of, you know, that momentary lapse or whatever, or that period of uh, a doubt or that period of, um, well, no pun intended, but you know, that time of the month situation, you know, for, for girls, you know? <laughs> it's like, you're going to be a little bit more emotional. So it's okay. <laughs> Just be aware of it and oh my it step away for a second. Don't schedule those meetings, uh, whatever it might be. So, but I, it sounds like to me. <laughs> sounds like to me. Bottom line, though, is just uh, it's okay. It's okay that you go through all this. Girls, women shouldn't have to worry, right? It's uh, yes, exactly. But I, I mean, unfortunately, though, we cannot be expressing those emotions at work. You know, so I've I've managed. Um, I've you know I, I've managed teams in the past, and you know, uh, in many cases, we have had. A, women working for me and they would come to me and cry and I'd always allow that because I have my moments where I'd cry at work but I would never in, in front of my superiors or executives but but uh, what I felt really good about was the fact that they felt comfortable expressing that emotion to me knowing that I wouldn't judge them but you be know cautious. and um, typically in the workplace yeah be cautious okay. you know and um, you know and I had a colleague of mine who told me I thought it was very insightful how he's a licensed uh, psychologist. And he said to me that every relationship, he's like the relationship you had, you know, growing up your childhood is, is actually reflected in your relationships with people at work. And I remember we were, you know, talking about, you know, what people at our job, it's like our mother, our father, our siblings. And to be aware of that, so you don't act in that emotional way as you would back in your childhood as you were raised by your parents. Uh, there was this one woman I was mentoring. She had a strong um, reaction against her boss. And she was afraid of him. She always thought she was going to get fired. And come to find out, he had some of the qualities of a father. And so once she identified that, she was able to, you know, kind of stop that father-daughter relationship and stop acting as though she was a daughter and started acting as though she was a leader where she was equal with her boss. And it really just transformed uh, the work relationship and her success at that company. Oh, boy, this sounds like you have to do some self-awareness, self-psychoanalyzing. But it really, but it, oh yeah, but it really isn't as difficult as it as it as it sounds. It's uh, like I said. I mean, we step back a little bit and just be aware, be cautious. Um, don't mm-hmm. cry in front of your coworkers and especially your uh, superior. <laughs> yeah, just give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> right, give Janine a call. <laughs> she'll help you through this, and she'll understand if you cry. Um. Yeah, you know, thinking about the uh, the young graduates coming out of high school right now, uh, whether it be females or male, mm-hmm. if they're going to look at getting into a business or technology field, what what advice, what would you say to these uh, graduates of class of 2020? Oh, my goodness. I, I threw, you, have I a threw you on the spot on that one. Oh, I know. Oh, my goodness. No, my... I think it's such a difficult time for them, um, especially with 
um, you know, getting into college and now the SATs, I believe, are temporarily on hold or uh, shut down. And I know a lot of interns, uh, internships have been canceled as a result of this initiative. So would you say from, would the question be focused more on an entrepreneurial perspective or a engineering or on an engineering perspective? I I would go with two. Mm-hmm. I would say more on a general and then more geared towards engineering. So general, you know, what do, what do these graduates do now? Um, what direction do you feel is best? What direction did you take? Because you had a huge interest already in disassembling, assembling, and creating and programming way back in the Commodore days. Um, <laughs> so I'm thinking there's a lot of gamers and there are more and more female gamers out there. Uh, you look on, you know, like Twitch and things like that. There's a lot of females out there uh, and they're young gals. Would you say, hey, you know what? Those gals that are graduated from high school right now, if you have a slight interest in engineering, start looking at some of these things, like you said, YouTube or whatever. Uh, start looking at some courses just to see if there's an interest. If there was something like that, would you suggest them going to YouTube or guide them somehow? Oh, right. So from an engineering perspective, for um, uh, people graduating from high school, let's say, and if they are interested in getting into engineering, it's funny, I just put together this curriculum uh, for someone, and... I recommend, uh, you know, a full-stack developer training course, like even over at Udemy and not really investing a lot of money in the boot camps. You know how they have the boot camps, which are, you know, a significant investment. Uh, They're really intense. You get a hands-on experience. But the best experience you get is by learning on your own and teaching it to somebody else. I think that's key. And also have... Expose yourself to different ways of learning, whether it be through listening to audiobooks, watching videos, reading blogs, and just kind of design your own curriculum and base it on what you're really passionate about and also make it project-based. Uh, this one curriculum I put together, it said, well, start off, this person has a Python experience. I said, well, start off with... Um, and they're interested in building web applications. So I'm like, okay, let's start off with a full stack web developer boot camp. And I was able to find something firm on Udemy. And then go back to Packet Pub, and there was this project where you can build a web application, uh, a stock market application. You know, so kind of have um, their interest, something they're really passionate about, and focus on that and then whether it's a web application or mobile application, then leverage a lot of the free and inexpensive resources. I mean, you have edX, which has uh, some free courses and you don't necessarily need the paid certification. The free courses are fine. Uh, YouTube, um, especially um, they have a lot of great Python videos. And, but I think for, for somebody without an engineering background, I truly believe the easiest language to start off with would be Python. And just make sure you expose yourself to the programming language every day, every other day. And don't let it sit for a week and then get back to it. It's like you're really teaching yourself another language. You know, similar to how you learned um, your language growing up, learning English. You know, you were exposed to it on a daily basis. And so that's why I recommend, although uh, daily is not 
realistic for some people. You know, at least expose yourself to it every other day. And also there are sites such as uh, leadcode.com where you can, they have these little challenges. You can kind of practice, you know, some of the coding, some of the coding uh, quizzes they have. It's really helpful. And, and if you can't find an internship or you want to do something over the summer, which I know a lot of students are at that, um, having, struggling with that pain point, I highly recommend, you know, looking back on college, there weren't that many internship opportunities available to me. And, you know, I'm kicking myself because I'm thinking I should have just found the experience, whether it be volunteered in nonprofits, you know, offered to do some engineering stuff or, you know, some web design, like something very simple or, or reach out to them and be like, hey, listen, I'm just learning iOS development. Um, let me build you an iPhone app. And uh, that would really be great stuff that you can put on your resume. Oh, it's all good information. Okay. Especially there's so many volunteer information. And for those who are in the business or want to do a startup, uh, my recommendation is just to see if you can volunteer at a startup. But yeah, especially if they don't have full-time opportunities, but um, full-time paid opportunities, I would just offer to do like 10, 15 hours a week. See if you can shadow, you know, the CEOs, try to get high up, high up as possible to the executives where you can help them and also learn from them. Even if it's just something is that you may find annoying is taking notes. It's amazing, you know, sitting in on executive meetings, how much, how much you can learn. Are all those things really possible still these days? Do you think? Is, what to listen is, in on executive meetings? Oh, uh, it doesn't have to be that high up the ladder or anything like that. But as far as uh, <laughs> yeah, cold calling, knocking on doors and saying, "Hey, you know what? I've got an interest in in coding. Gosh, can I can I shadow somebody? Because I may want to work for you guys someday. I mean, well, I there's a depending on what I mean with Twitter, you know, Facebook, Google. Yeah, I mean they have um, NDAs. Well, a lot of companies do. And uh, it is possible as long as you're, you know, they'll, they'll call it an internship. Um, I know not a lot of companies like to do the unpaid internship, mm-hmm. but um, they will as long as you just, you know, sign all the right paperwork. They have to protect uh, their code. That could be a challenge in terms of the code. And so that's why nonprofit, there's, there's more flexibility. And also, if you take a look at some of the open source projects on GitHub, and get involved in just contributing to that, building up your GitHub portfolio. And um, on Stack Overflow, you know, giving back to the developer community. A lot of developers go on Stack Overflow and they ask developer questions. Well, build up your reputation and profile by contributing there as well is, is really, would be a really cool thing to do. Okay. Uh, it sounds like uh, definitely, like you said, exposure, really, ex- meaning expose yourself to different ways of learning could be one. Uh, so Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, whether it be audio, uh, audio, video, whatever it might be, uh, also, uh, focus in on what, what it is that you want to do. Sounds pretty important too. And then definitely leverage everything that's out there. Leverage the YouTube channels, the, uh, Udemy, uh, whatever's out there. Um, Coursera, everything. A lot of them are, can be free, correct? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. But the thing is, what I've noticed with people getting into engineering, um, it's so easy with all the options to just get into the, 
you know, ADD mode, um, technical ADD, because there's just so many options where you're like, oh, this video is better than that. Mm. You know, once you make a decision to, and once you, like, th- that's why with Udemy, they had like a 50, it was like 50 hours and it was only, it was only like $12 or something. When you find, you know, a set of videos or a video series, stick with it. I, I mean, even if it's lousy, the end of the day, it's like you really need to have that sense of completion because it's so hard to really develop that focus when it comes to engineering. And if you can develop that at the very beginning while you're learning, it'll certainly benefit you um, down the road in your career. Okay. That's actually a really good idea because I, I do know, because I'll say personally, and I've seen people, you go to one video and you start watching uh, the <laughs> series. You might get to <laughs> the first one out of 10 and then you go, I don't like this one. Then you jump to the next one and then you jump to the next. So really, um, when you find something that you like, even if it's bad, stay focused and stay structured. Stick with it, right? Best thing you can do. Yes, exactly. Okay. Oh, I'm so guilty of that occasionally. <laughs> you and me both. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, I mean, for you, you have been in the industry for a long time. Do you see this technology in general? And this is going to be a silly question that it is a growing industry and then would you say that there is one or two areas that would be uh, really good for growth for somebody that's just getting into it? Um, I'm thinking, for me personally, uh, something with uh, autonomous driving cars. So you want to go someplace that is starting to program um, you know, something to do with automated so- vehicles and things like that. So I can't speak too much on the automated vehicles because I know from what I've heard from uh, my colleagues, there's been, you know, somewhat of a pause on um, some of those projects have been put on hold. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from a general like AI perspective, uh, data perspective, um, healthcare, you know, and and when it comes to engineering on the healthcare, I mean, they're obviously you know gaining traction. But currently, um, like as an engineer, I'm constantly, you know, trying to keep up with the latest technologies. And I think that's really important in order to stay in the field. I just finished um, an AI certification program for at Cornell. They had a great certification program in machine learning and in Python using, you know, uh, the just the NumPy modules and everything. And... You know, through these courses, I was able to see, you know, wow, you know, what the future of machine learning from an engineering perspective is going to be like. I mean, there's such a huge demand for AI engineers. There's such a huge demand for IoT, Internet of Things developers. And now look in academia. Um, there's you know, a demand for online content. I mean, there is plenty of online engineering content, but just now that everything's shifted online, you know, more tools and resources are going to be developed to simplify that whole experience for people. So um, I'm betting on AI and uh, definitely blockchain, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> AI and blockchain, 
those are my, so, so if you're going to specialize in something, I would definitely, you know, learn the foundations of programming, you know, start off with OO design, data structures, algorithms is key, but then really get into, you know, AI, blockchain, but not necessarily focusing just on autonomous vehicles. Because, for example, again, I mean, I don't know for sure, but, you know, some of those projects have been put on hold. So it's like, okay, where are the jobs shifting to now? And so that's why in AI, you're seeing more of a shift on um, healthcare, you know, with remote visits and also, um, you know, digital, uh, well, telehealth, digital medicine and stuff. So I think that's really critical. I may end up changing my field of interest. (laughs) This is, this has been really, really good information. I mean, this is great. Uh, is there anything else that you could really think of that you want to add to, you know, the conversation of women in technology and women in business? I mean, we kind of covered some oh. obstacles. Um, you know, it's the competitive nature. Don't cry, that kind of stuff. Is there anything that you? <laughs> <don't> <laughs> that you'd want to throw in there for, for this topic? Um, uh, sure, absolutely. Um, I'd love for you, you know, if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. If you're looking to get into engineering, more than happy to help, whether, you know, you're a man or a woman, <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> matter. And I, I love to give advice and love to um, mentor others who are really passionate about you know, building innovative solutions or overall, even if you don't know what exactly you want to do in engineering, I would just uh, love to help. And also, uh, if you're interested in artificial intelligence, I am involved in uh, women in artificial intelligence. I could get her events. I'm the San Francisco lead. And uh, we have free membership if you'd like to join. Um, just go to womeninai.co. And it's CO. I always forget. Women in AI.co. Yes. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, that's very generous of you to just to offer you know, advice and things like that. And uh, everything that you've said today, I think, is great advice for people to, to follow. Um, but in, in closing, I would ask you what would be like the two or three things, two or three different things that folks should concentrate on as far as if they want to further their career or even get into the career of engineering? Well, I'm a huge advocate. I'm a huge advocate for formal education. Um, I'm actually back in school again, and I plan on going back to school even after I'm done with another program. However, I know that's not, that may not be realistic for some people right now, especially uh, during these times. And, but in engineering, there are a lot of companies who will consider hiring people, you know, without a bachelor's degree. And so that's why I think in engineering, I feel that the barrier to entry is pretty low, where if you just leverage, you know, some of the courses online, Coursera, Udemy, like you can really get a great experience. Um, and also working on open source projects. I mean, that's basically the, I mean, I went to, I took computer science classes undergrad and then went to grad school, but I really um, mastered computer science and, you know, the programming languages in particular when I started working um, for companies. 
as a as an engineer, as a software engineer. So I think I truly believe the experience is more important than the education. But at the same time, I'm just I, I just love um, I, I love going to school as well. And there is a lot of value to you know registering the program and you uh, really committing yourself to three four years. Okay. So what I gather out of it then really is uh, formal education is very important, uh, at least for you, as you said, but open source, take advantage of the open source that's out there. If you, if you're already into coding and things like that, uh, find an open source Mm -hmm. project that you could work on. That would definitely, that sounds like it's a a good way to go. Uh, I I would imagine that that's something you can even put on your resume that you uh, participated in or worked on an open source uh, of some sort. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things out there that's open source now, isn't there? Oh my goodness. Especially if, you know, for those of you who don't have LinkedIn profiles, put in LinkedIn profiles, write blogs, offer to write blogs for companies. I remember years ago, um, I wrote a tutorial for Salesforce when they just started, uh, when they just started launching um, some of their developer tools years and years ago. And just by volunteering and offering that content, I mean, you get your name out there, you know, offer some sample code being like, Hey, listen, love your APIs. I you know, built a sample for you. Could you feature it? I mean, seriously reach out to them because these companies would really appreciate it, especially open source community. There you go. You heard it from Janine. It's sometimes it's not all well, I, she didn't say this, but I'll say sometimes it's not all about <laughs> the money in the beginning. So uh, you'll have to hustle um, and put your name out there. Uh, get your name out there one way somehow. Exactly. Yep. Uh, this has been super good. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed having a conversation with you and I definitely know I, that this is out of my league. And I have a lot of reading to do, and I need to get (laughs) focused. (laughs) Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed interviewing Janine. There is a wealth of information, and I definitely know that I do not know technology as much as I thought I did. Also, Janine was kind enough to leave her email address for anybody who wants to contact her and have some questions in the technology field. You can reach her at Janine Jude, that's J-E-A-N-I-N-E-J-U-E, Janine at gmail.com. That's it, folks. Until next time, so long.